You're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are never, ever alone. to be with you again today. It has been a little while and I'm so thankful for this time with you. Today it's just going to be you and me one-on-one and there are some things I want to catch you up on, some things I want to share with you that I've been experiencing and some other things I've been learning that have been making a big difference in my life and in my heart as I face the day in and day out mud that is mine. And I know you have your own mud too. And so today we're just going to travel this uh, journey together and explore some things that I've been wrestling through. And I hope that it's a help to whatever place you find yourself in today. So as many of you may have seen, I have been on a trip. Uh, I know that I told you that I would be podcasting every other week this summer. And I did that in June, but in July I've been absent. And there's a reason for that. And I want to share that with you. But I also wanted to catch you up and help look forward to what is going to be coming in August and in the fall as back to school is upon us. I know some start in August, others in September, but it's not going to be long. And I wanted to just take this time out today just to be with you and to share with you some things that have been on my heart. So if you've been following along on Snapchat by any chance or Instagram or Facebook, you may have noticed that I took a trip in July to Alaska. This was our second year to visit the beautiful state of Alaska, and we went on a cruise with my parents and our kids, of course, and had an amazing time. We visited some wonderful cities. A couple of you who are in Alaska reached out and said hello, and I was so excited to connect with you. The state of Alaska is stunning, and if any of you have been there, I'm sure you are nodding your head as you're driving or jogging or whatever it is you're doing, cooking or cleaning. I'm not sure what it is you're doing when you spend time here in this place, but whatever it is. If you've never been to Alaska, put it on your list, on your bucket list of places to go because the beauty of God's creation there is stunning almost beyond words. I know when I stand in front of the majestic snow-capped mountains and the ocean is before me and just all the scenery that's there, it's just breathtaking. And it's that feeling of, I think I may be standing in a living postcard right now, and I just cannot believe the beauty that's before my eyes. That's how beautiful it is. We had a really amazing time. You know, it's fun to go on vacation with family because, and especially a cruise, I don't know if many of you have been on a cruise, but Essentially, you're disconnected from the internet and you have, you know, spots of Wi-Fi here and there as you stop at different locations. But it was really refreshing to have 
all of that set aside and to spend time just relaxing and You know, we did a lot of playing cards together. The kids learned the game Hearts. We were going to be diving into the game of Canasta. And of course, with my littlest, I played Go Fish and all of those fun games. We spent time at the library on the ship reading and um, relaxing, sometimes just sitting out on the on the um, bow of the ship and watching the waves go by. There's just something so peaceful about the ocean, whether you're in the middle of the ocean or you're, you know, near the shore. It's just a serenity and a peace. And I think there's a bigness about God's creation, about the vastness of the ocean that just helps ground us in understanding that we really are small. And yet God, the creator of all things, desires to be present with us. And I think it's nothing new for many of you to realize that we really can connect so profoundly with God through nature. And that is what I experienced during my time in Alaska. Now, I have to tell you, there are many things that stood out to me about nature in Alaska, but two of the ones I want to mention, uh, the fireweed. You all, I don't know where I was last year when we visited Alaska. Maybe it was May and because it wasn't blooming, but I am a flowers girl. You can ask my husband. I take my camera wherever I go, and if there is a flower in sight, I am taking a picture of it. Flowers make me happy. I fill my Instagram feed with florists, with people who arrange flowers, with people who give flowers, with people who grow flowers. If I could every day visit the flower mart, I would. Any place I can go to see beautiful big wildflowers that are blooming and colorful, it just brings my heart so much joy. And so This July, wherever we went in the state of Alaska, there was this flower. Now, when I first saw it, I was in Icy Strait, Alaska, which is in southeast Alaska, and I thought it was this random wildflower that was hot pink. Well, as the trip progressed, I realized every single stop had this random wildflower, and it was someone on Instagram who actually told me that it was called fireweed. And maybe that's common knowledge to you. I had never heard of fireweed, and I feel like I'm last to come to terms with what that even is. But I'm telling you, I could not get over the beauty of the fireweed that was everywhere. It was like God planted wildflowers all over the state of Alaska. And I just wanted to clip all of them and make a vase of wildflowers for myself, just fireweed. And it was just stunning. The color, the shape, how it stood tall and saluted the sky. Uh, You can go to my Instagram feed and see the fireweed. I tried not to be overboard. My husband was like, you're taking more pictures of more flowers. Like, don't you think that's enough flowers? I'm like, there can never be enough flowers in the world. Uh, So anyway, the fireweed, you all, if you don't know what fireweed is, you must look it up and you must see a picture of fireweed. It is incredible, majestic, gorgeous, beautiful, all the things. Then the second thing I wanted to highlight, which there are so many, it was hard for me to pick. And I have so many pictures that I haven't even gone through yet. But the other thing I wanted to mention was glaciers, because glaciers are so big and majestic. We visited two glaciers. We visited Dawes Glacier, which was on the Endicott arm of a fjord. 
But then we visited Hubbard Glacier, which is a huge glacier. It was a sea day, and our ship got within a half a mile of the face of Hubbard Glacier. It is miles and miles and miles long, and the face of it, I think she said, is seven miles wide. And I was able through my binoculars and through my camera to see the calving of the glacier's face, which just means that ice breaks off and falls into the ocean and makes a big, huge splash. I felt like a little bit, now don't call me crazy, but there were people on the bow of the ship that were observing the glacier. And when I went up to view, it it was like everyone had lined the rails of the V of the front of the bow of the ship. And I saw off to the side the ice floating in the water. And I was thinking, wow, I think I'm in a scene of the Titanic, you know, (laughs) except it wasn't that cold. Um, It was actually remarkably warm. I just had a long sleeve shirt on. It was great, but I digress. Anyway, Hubbard Glacier, it was amazing. But what I learned even more to really be aware of is how glaciers form the fjords in the land that is all kinds of places on the earth. So, you know, you have Yosemite in California, you have the fjords in Norway, you have the fjords that are in Alaska, and those have all been formed by glaciers. Now, at first I was like, glaciers, like, how does a piece of ice, like, make a big fjord? And so if you're asking the same thing, now maybe you, maybe you are a glacier expert. Maybe this is like earth science fourth grade for you. And maybe you're thinking, I can't believe Jackie is fascinated by a glacier. If that's you, just, I don't know, fast forward, push the double time on your iTunes app, whatever. But just humor me for here for a second, because I found a lesson in glaciers that really touched me. And I learned that ice and precipitation, actually precipitation falls in the cold and creates a snowpack that is on a mountain. And over time, more and more precipitation freezes and forms an ice pack that gets more and more heavy, more and more dense, and the gravity starts weighing it down and pulling it down, actually, to help it start to move along the ground. And it's moving downhill. Now, as it gets packed, the density of the ice changes and it becomes a translucent blue because of how the light reflects through the density of the ice. But more than that, it's the weight and the pressure of the ice that pushes the glacier downhill, downslope, and actually over time carves rock. It etches rock. The pressure that's built up actually forms new surfaces underneath that are never the same after the ice has been there. Fjords are carved by this ice and it's remarkable. And I started thinking about what is it that's accumulating in my life? What is it that's accumulating in the lives of the people that I admire, that I aspire to be like, who are mentors to me? What are the things that are weighing us down, that are creating weight to push down on the floorboard of our hearts, the floorboard of our lives, and carve new surfaces, new smoothed etchings 
that are going to create places in our hearts and our lives that never existed before the weight of their influence was upon my heart or your heart or whoever it is that we're talking about. And I started reflecting as I was watching that glacier through my binoculars, as I was watching people film the calving of the glacier, how things were breaking apart and falling into the water, and how the glacier is always moving and changing and more precipitation falls and packs down upon the formation of what it is pressing upon. And I started realizing what it is that I allow to put pressure on me, what it is I allow to accumulate in my life is going to shape and form who I am and who I become. And what are those things that really matter to me? What are the things that I'm going to give permission to give weight to in my life that I'm going to let sink down upon me and carve into me new paths, new surfaces, new beauty? As we're here together in this time of reflection, and I didn't mean to get all serious and up in your business so fast, but as I'm telling you about Alaska and I'm telling you about glaciers, I'm just saying this is what occurred to me. And I started evaluating what do I give weight to as far as my time? Is the reflection of what I'm doing and the time I'm spending putting the kind of pressure on my life that's going to make me better? That's going to drive me to God instead of away from him. That's going to connect me deeper to my family and those people who are closest to me than compromise my relationships with them. What are the things that speak into my life that I'm giving permission to weigh down my life? And are those things making me better? Are those things making me more connected and more engaged? What are those things? What are those things in your life? What are you giving permission to? to weigh you down and not weigh you down in a bad way. I mean, maybe it is a bad way, but what are you giving permission to weigh on you, to speak into your life? What is it that you're giving authority to, to help shape you and form you into who you're becoming? Because we're all becoming something. We're either moving forward or we're moving backward. We are not a static people. And I think it's so key to pay attention to what those things are that we're allowing to invest in our lives, to speak into our lives. Who are you listening to? What podcasts are you hearing? What sermons are you listening to? What books are you reading? What friends are you listening to? Who are you giving authority to speak into your life that's going to change you and shape you for good? That's what I started to evaluate. And I'm still in process of evaluating that. And I think it's an ongoing process for all of us. But the first thing I want to challenge you with today is to take some quiet time this week, carve out some stillness, and reflect upon what is the glacier in your life? What are the things of precipitation that you're allowing to rain down on the surface of your heart and form hardness as they stack upon one another? And what are those things that you're allowing to add weight and carve out who you're becoming? Because we all want to be moving forward. We all want to be becoming. And if we don't make the actual willful choice of what those things are going to be, by default, there will be things that will weigh down on you and carve you into someone. And you may end up becoming someone you don't want to be. And you may be giving power to things to weigh down and influence you and carve you in ways that you don't desire to be carved. 
And so I think it's important for us to be intentional on what it is those things are. And so I want you to sit down and I want you to do just that. And I will be joining you in it. Now, beyond fire, weed, and glaciers, one of the other things that I've been really learning from that has become something rich for me in this past month is some scripture memory. Now, I know, I know, you may be thinking, what? Scripture memory? Like, who does that? And I'm not trying to get all super spiritual on you. I just, um, I want to revisit this topic because I think memorizing scripture is not valued to the level that I think it's the value warrants. Does that make sense? Like the value of spending time with verses of scripture is so, talk about carving us into who we need to be. There just is no drawback to spending time with verses of scripture and learning what God's word says, what the Bible has to say about us, about who God is, about the world we live in, and about who we need to be because of what God's done for us. And so you know, if you've known me for a while, you may remember there were some months a year or so ago where I was memorizing with a small group of women. I have a YouTube video about seven tips to memorizing scripture, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to check that out. But the same friend who was in that small group with me before uh, reached out. Our group had been on hiatus for a year or more. You know, life just got busy. We have kids. We don't see each other on a regular basis. But we had spent some time memorizing some passages of scripture a few years ago. And she sent a message to to us again and said, hey, guys, you know, I was thinking maybe we should start back up with some scripture memory. Now, I'll be honest. At first, I was like, I just have no idea. I mean, I am so busy. If you've been listening this spring, you know I've been taking a business class. I've been doing homework. I've been creating some resources for you, which, by the way, I'm going to talk to you about in a few minutes. But I was just like, the kids are home. It's busy. I'm trying to get all these things done. I'm trying to create a course about parenting. I'm trying to podcast. I'm trying to do my interviews. I'm working as a nurse. I mean, on and on and on I could go. I felt so busy and I felt overwhelmed that I was being asked to participate in this good thing. And yet it's always such a balance to decide, okay, what do I say yes to and what do I say no to and how do I know what to spend my time doing? And it's just the whole thing of deciding what we're going to allow to carve us, what we're going to allow to give weight to our time in our lives. And you know, I had a little internal argument with myself. I don't know if you do that. I'm sure you do. You know, this back and forth, I was trying to decide, well, it's a good thing. And I really want to be connected with those ladies. But do I really have the time to commit to memorizing scripture? Because I know how much time it takes, because I will tell you memorizing is hard for me, whether it's scripture or Shakespeare or any other thing, poetry, whatever. I have a hard time memorizing. And so I wrestled with it for a few days and I was just like, you know, I don't want to commit to something that I can't do and that seems overwhelming. Um, she was proposing that we memorize Ephesians starting with chapter one and I know, I know it sounds crazy. Uh, anyway, I decided, you know, there are some things that are futility, you know, scrolling Facebook, scrolling Instagram, 
wishing I had the life of someone else, comparing myself to someone else, giving into competition, giving into the feeling of not feeling enough, or just all the things that sometimes happen when we invest in things that maybe aren't very productive for our hearts. But memorizing scripture, I said to myself, there's no way that cannot be productive in my life. First of all, for me to memorize scripture means that it's going to require a lot of time spent with that scripture. And that can't be a bad thing, right? Meditating on what the words are, trying to remember them, saying them over and over again in all the cracks of my day, you know. And so long story short, I decided to say yes. I decided, yes, I'm in. And so on this trip, this vacation where one thing about a cruise is you're disconnected from the internet. So that's helpful because you're not distracted except for when you stop and there's Wi-Fi available. But that was good because I could do Snapchat and update Instagram and stuff like that. But all that to say, I started on my memory work on this trip. And friend, I have to tell you, I am being reminded on a daily basis again how rich memorizing scripture is. I know it sounds like something somebody super spiritual would do. Trust me, I am not all super uppity spiritual. I'm just a normal mom trying to build a regular online business, hosting a podcast, being a nurse. I'm just a normal person. And if I can memorize scripture, you can too. And um, I've been in Ephesians 1. And what I want to leave you with today is some of the encouragement I've been finding there. Because when we read God's word for ourselves, and we practice stillness, and we practice asking God in the quiet moments of our day, what is it that you want to teach me through this? We don't need someone telling us what it means. We don't need a commentary We don't even need another person in the room, just us and God's word and prayer asking God to reveal to us in the secret small places where we spend time in stillness, what it means and how our hearts can be encouraged. And so I want to read to you, or I'm going to try to recite to you the first eight verses in chapter one of Ephesians. And then I want to break down a couple of things I've been learning before we go, because it's been such an encouragement to me. I wanted to pass it along to you as well. Okay, so I'm memorizing in NIV 1984 because I'm an 80s girl. There's all kinds of versions. This one is from NIV 1984. Ephesians 1, 1 through 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, 
in accordance with God's grace, which he has lavished on us in all wisdom and understanding. Ephesians 1, 1 through 8. Now, I don't know if you've recently been in Ephesians, but this is a letter that Paul is writing to, they believe not only the church in Ephesus, but he he was in prison at the time that he wrote this letter. He was imprisoned and desiring to write. I want to think of it as like a newsletter, like a circular letter that would be photocopied, although they didn't have photocopying, but it would be sent to all the churches that he had visited in his travels, in his journeys. A letter that's general, an encouragement to the people who are called saints, which if you look up that word, that means all people who have trusted in Christ as their Savior. We are saints too. We are saints. So Paul is an apostle. He has been sent by the will of God, and he's writing to the faithful in Christ Jesus, those who believe in Christ, particularly the ones in Ephesus, and for it to be a general letter to all the churches. And he says to them, grace and peace to you. Now, I want to break that down because I did a little research on grace and peace. And the Jewish people who were in the New Testament times, their ancestry was from Hebrew culture and their language was Hebrew way back. You know, little boys would memorize the entire Old Testament in Hebrew. And so Hebrew was a language, a poetic language that they were familiar with. And I wanted, now I am no, I'm going to just say right off the top here, I am no Greek or Hebrew scholar, but I did look this up and do a little study. And I think we shouldn't be afraid to look up some of this ourselves because there's a lot of good resources out there to really dive into the original language of the Bible and to do some research as to what it means. And I wanted to share with you what I discovered about ancient Hebrew words and how historically they were a word picture to the people because what I found when I discovered it was so beautiful. I just wanted to pass it along to you. So the original Hebrew word for grace contains two letters. And it's been said that Hebrew words are actually word pictures that conveyed the meaning of what the word represented. And so the word is called hain, and the first letter is the het, which is a picture. The actual letter looks like a picture of a wall. But the second letter is a noon, which is a picture, the actual letter looks like a sprouting seed, which represents the continuation of a lineage. So you have this wall that's a, or a separation with a continuation of lineage going on and on. And the word for grace actually is a word picture with the meaning a wall that continues on and on and on. And that was so moving to me because it's like God is a wall that is continuing on and on, protecting us. And that's what his grace really is. It's our protection. It's our help. It's our healing. We find refuge and deliverance. So the word shalom, now that is a Hebrew word that means peace. And those people in the New Testament, when Paul was writing grace and peace to you from God our Father, This word peace in Hebrew is called shalom, and it consists of four letters, Hebrew letters, and they each are like a picture. 
And this is something I'm learning. I'm certainly not an expert, but the first letter is called shin. Now, forgive me if I pronounce these wrong, but the first one is called shin, and it looks like actual teeth. And the word picture representation for that letter is to consume or destroy. Okay, so that's the first letter. The second letter is lamed, and it is in the shape of a shepherd's staff, and it represents control or authority. The third letter is avav, and it actually looks like a nail, and that's what it represents, a way to connect or attach. And this would have been recognized in their nomadic culture because when they would drive a you know, stake into a tent. This is what it would look like. And so that's what that letter represents. And the fourth letter is called Mem, and its picture represents waves or water. And the meaning behind that is just chaos or might. Because in their culture, when they were on the waves, when they were on the sea, you know, water represented mighty power and sometimes chaos when you were in the middle of a storm. And so the word shalom in Hebrew is often used as an expression of restitution, how something has been taken and then brought back and restored. When we say peace to you, it's like saying, may you be whole and be made complete. And the letters make such a word picture when you when you talk about how Paul is saying grace and peace to you. God has sent Christ to be our peace, to make us whole and complete. It means that he comes to destroy the authority that's attached to the chaos in our lives. Shalom is a way of taking what looks like teeth that are going to consume and destroy us and for him to have control and authority to connect and attach himself to us in order to overcome the chaos, for him to overrule and control and bring us back from the chaos and might that otherwise is overtaking our lives. And I thought that was just beautiful, the way that Paul expresses grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Did you realize you have already been blessed by God? Now, when it says in the heavenly realms, he's not talking about in heaven. He's talking about in the spiritual realm, not physical things, not things. God doesn't promise to bless us with material riches and wealth. He promises to bless us with spiritual wealth, with spiritual wholeness, because we are broken because of sin. But he has come to bring us wholeness because of Christ. And so he has already blessed us in the heavenly realms, in any spiritual way, with every spiritual blessing in Christ, because of Christ. Because we are broken in and of our own selves, but because of Jesus, because he paid the ultimate price, we are whole. And all the blessing is already ours because of Christ. That is just amazing and incredible to pause and realize that we don't need to live in a way that we're trying to earn God's blessing. We don't need to try to do more and be more and try harder, and do better things, and serve more to get more blessing from God. 
He already has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's because of Christ we have the blessing, not because of our own selves. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. It's because we are in Christ. And that to me was so incredible to be reminded of and to ponder and to just marinate in and to stew in. And and that's the thing about memorizing scripture. When you meditate on that verse for a whole entire week, trying to get it down. I mean, you're saying it in the shower. You're writing the first letters of each word to try to prompt your memory on what the verse is. It just starts becoming a part of who you are. And once you learn the words, then you start to marinate in the richness of the message of the words. And it becomes an experience with God to memorizing that I think doesn't come in other ways. And so that's one of the verses that has stood out to me. And, uh, you know, it goes on to remind us that he chose us in Christ before the beginning of time to be holy. God chose us. He chose me. He chose you. God loves us that much that before the beginning of time, he said, I want you. I choose you. And so in those moments when we are you know, trying to compare ourselves to other people, and we're thinking that other people are making more of a difference in the world than we are, that thinking is futility. We need to remember who we are, and we remember who we are by remembering whose we are. And we are his. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. And in love, he predestined that we would be adopted as his sons through Jesus. See, it's all because of Christ. God adopts us and he doesn't do it begrudgingly. He's not like, okay, I'll take them if they just have to have me. No, it says in accordance with his pleasure and will. He wanted it to be that way. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with me. Because of his glorious grace, grace being a gift that we don't deserve, which he has freely given us. He wasn't forced to. He chose to. He, he has freely given us in the one he loves. Who is that? That is Christ. He has given us Christ, the one he loves, his one and only son. And it's in Christ we have redemption. We are redeemed. We are restored. We are made whole. We are given shalom, a peace, a covering. And it's through the blood of Christ that he has forgiven our sins because of the richness of God's grace. You know, we think of riches like having a lot, but God's grace is the richness and it never ends. God has limitless riches of grace each and every day when we mess up, when we say something wrong, when we think a bad thought, when we say a wrong word, when we treat someone unkindly, when we're when we're sharp with our kids or with our parents or with our spouse or whatever it is, there's enough grace even for that. Grace is giving you favor through Christ and God lavishes that on us and gives us wisdom and understanding. And he, in his wisdom and understanding, chose to give that to us. So, you know, I'm kind of preaching here. Sorry about that. But when you spend time meditating and reviewing and just 
sitting in the truth of scripture, it becomes alive and it becomes real. And I'm saying who needs reality TV when this is the message we can get from God's word. And I just wanted to pass that encouragement along to you today. And God has blessed us. He has given us these gifts and he longs for us to bless him. How do we bless him? We don't do more for him. We don't perform for him. We don't try to earn his love. What blesses God is for us to spend time with him in stillness and reflection of who he is, what he has done for us, and for us to trust him and in trusting him, thank him for what he has done, for what he will do, and for what he is continuing to do in each and every moment of each and every day that we are his. And so I want you to think this week, what things are you giving power and authority over in your life to weigh you down like a glacier and to cut and carve those spaces of your heart? Is scripture memory something you'd like to venture into? Maybe even just one verse, you know, John three sixteen would be a really good place to start for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's an amazing one to start with. Um, and there's there's more to be had. Um, I just want you to get into the Bible yourself. I want you to read it for yourself. And um, it's an exciting message. And it's one that I think will come alive to you as you devote time and give it weight in your life. Certainly there's many other things you could give weight to that will be good and productive, But I want you to consider that today. Marinating in scripture is something that never returns void. And so uh, I... I'm so thankful to have spent this time with you today. I hope you were encouraged. I am continuing to slowly but steadily work on a course for you. It's taking longer than I thought that it would. There are some things that I chose to add and enhance. There are some ways that I'm trying to make it better. I'm going to be releasing that hopefully in August, mid to late August, maybe early September. We'll see. No promises, but it's coming. It's going to be called Connecting with Your Teen. If you want to get on a wait list, to learn about that course as soon as it's released, you can text the words connect with your teen to the number 33444 and I'll add you to the list. I'm also working on my email list, cleaning it up. If you're on my email list, um, I'm going to be starting to write some emails to you and just wanting to connect with you more. And so look for that. And um, yeah, so I can't wait to share with you the guests that I have. I'm starting to actively record more interviews again and I have some amazing content coming your way starting next week and I'm looking forward to that and in the meanwhile if you want to reach out to me or you have any feedback for me or you just want to share with me any story you can always send me a message on my Facebook page um, facebook.com forward slash Jackie Watkins you can find me on Instagram and I'm working on Snapchat it's super fun to hang out there You can find me um, on Snapchat and I just love connecting with you. I love hearing from you, what's going on in your life, um, the mud you're facing, how it is I can help you. If you think of someone who you'd like to have featured on the show, I would love to hear your suggestions or your feedback. And in the meantime, I hope you know how very much you are loved 
how very much God is for you. I am for you. No matter what mud it is you're facing, I want you to know you are never, ever alone. Have a beautiful day.